0: If you have a Bible with you this evening, would you click on 1 Samuel chapter 14? We're going to be looking at a bunch of different passages in chapter 14. We're going to go through most of the whole, maybe about half of the chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 14. And we've, I've preached on this uh, before, but this tonight's going to be a different topic. And I'm going to start in verse 6. And as you're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 14, just before I read verse 6, let me share with you the title of tonight's message. If you're taking notes, make sure you write at the top of your notes. Nothing can hinder the Lord. Everybody say nothing. Nothing Nothing can hinder the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 14, and I'll just read verse 6 to start. Jonathan is talking and he says, nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. We're going to come back to this verse and we're going to look at the verses before and the verses after this. But this is, if you're just joining us here at Tribe, we have just finished 12 weeks of discipleship, going deeper in our walk with the Lord. We began discipleship church on June 21st, Joy? Yes, June 21st. And then uh, last week was our very last week. This is the first week outside of Discipleship Church, and we're back to meeting here at 530 as long as this nice weather holds out. But for the last 12 weeks, as a church, we've been diving deeper into what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? If you look all throughout the Gospels, whenever Jesus talked, he didn't say, hey, uh, you don't have to pick up your cross unless you're feeling really hardcore. Just, you know, like follow me best you can whenever it's convenient, and that'll be great. Jesus laid down his life for us, and he tells us, if you want to come after me, you need to lay down your life. There's an exchange that happens. So many people think of Christianity as some sort of cultural thing, like, um, like at, at, at restaurants, like, yeah, we, like, we accept Visa, we accept MasterCard, we accept Jesus. Like, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll accept Jesus. Yeah, sure, I'll just kind of add him to my life. But that's not what Jesus talked about at all. He literally talked about in exchange. I will give you my life in exchange for you to lay down your life and that I become the boss of your life. I become the leader of your life. That's really the essence of what discipleship means. And over the course of these last 12 weeks, we've talked a lot about these different aspects of, of what it means to be a disciple with tithing and prayer, um, suffering and endurance, a really great message, um, worship, uh, getting uh, to alone places instead of being caught up, sur- continually surrounded by busyness, finding those eremos, those wilderness places where we can, we can regroup, In solitude we talked about the power of rest and what that does as a weapon when we yield the weapon of rest in the midst of a world that is going berserk it's disciples of Jesus that are called to be people of rest and to practice the discipline of rest and then even to be able to like release that in the atmosphere of places that they go have you ever been around some people and just being around that person stresses you out because they're stressed out all the time? Raise your hand. You can answer. Don't point. <laughs> and then have you been around anybody else that when you just get around them, you're like, ah, oh, I can relax. And like we talk about with our, our family and our friends, like take the ha- take all the hats off. Take the work hat off. Take the leader hat off. Just take all the hats off and just feel at, at peace. You ever be? A, have you ever been around people like that? Like, that's, what, that's part of what being a disciple means. So we've spent 12 weeks talking about what it means to be a disciple. Now, here we are on the other side of Discipleship Church. And over the course, leading up to Discipleship Church, and then as we were going through Discipleship Church, man, I don't know if, you, if you've really thought about it. You've probably experienced it personally or in your business. But there has been a lot that has tried to hinder perhaps your life, your work life, certainly your free exchange of oxygen. There have been a lot of forces that have tried to hinder you and tried to hinder the Big C Church and even us here at Tribe. As this COVID thing rolled through the United States and, and reached us here in Jackson, Uh, Snow King told us where we were meeting inside hey it's really not going to work and 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 we don't take any offense to them like we understand you gotta you gotta do your thing you've got to do you But it was just so awesome that we were putting together discipleship church at that time so that we could just roll into discipleship church There was there we all know that that our social lives for a short season was greatly hindered We could hardly even see our friends although maybe some people broke the rules No, no, no. I must have my friends. But there's been a lot that has tried to hinder. Maybe your business. Maybe your marriage. Maybe the community. There's been a lot that's tried to hinder this country. We all know that. But here's a really great thing. Is that nothing can hinder the Lord while we were in discipleship church even though there was there was there was some i don't know if i'd say opposition but there was certainly some mm, i don't know about that as we were going into discipleship church like oh, i don't really want to go to like house church oh, i don't really want to do that or oh, i don't really want to do like the small group thing i like the big group thing i totally get it i like the big group thing too and to be totally honest with you guys as we were going into the into discipleship church i was like Man, like, but but I like us all to be together, and, and I'm not going to get to see everybody every week. But over the course of these 12 weeks, I've grown deeper. I've grown uh, in connection with the people that have been in our discipleship church at, at our campus. And the number of reports that I've heard that have come in over the 12 weeks of, of families diving deeper into the Word together— um, uh, uh, fathers and sons that have led their campus in communion together, um, reading the word out loud together, praying out loud together. Um, men that have come to me and said, "Yeah, I'm just building into my life this discipline of getting up early every morning and getting into His word." Like that's the whole idea of discipleship. Church is that you would take greater ownership for your own walk, and uh, and for those of you who have been with us on this journey. as as consistent as you possibly can be for these 12 weeks, I know that it has benefited you. I know that I've seen you grow, which has been so amazing. But this idea of nothing can hinder the Lord, how easy is it for us to lose sight of that simple truth? As people, we bump up against things that would try to hinder us daily. And it's easy for us to impose That same mindset on the Lord. Well, I don't know what God can do about that. (sighs) But I want us to, to go through this story at the beginning of chapter 14. It's titled Jonathan's Daring Plan. And I want to share with you four observations from 1 Samuel chapter 14. Here's the first observation. You can write this down. You can either camp out or cross over. Let's start reading. One day Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, "Come on, let's go over over there to where the Philistines have their outpost." But Jonathan didn't tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and 600 of his men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother. A high tub, son of Phineas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, who had served at Shiloh. So here's observation number one: You can either camp out, or you can cross over. I've seen that as 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 things, forces that try to that come against us, that try to hinder us. A lot of people decide to just camp out. I'm just going to stop where I am. They, they bump up against some hardship, some opposition, some difficulty. And what do they do? They just camp out. That's exactly what we see happening to Saul right here. Verse two. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah. Now, if you look at verse three, there's a whole lot going on in, in verse three. At the end of verse 2, it says they're camped out around a pomegranate tree. That's significant. Let's talk about that. And then it kind of gives some, like, he's the son of 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 the priest of the Lord who had served Shiloh. There, there are two things really significant there. First of all, the pomegranate tree. If you look in the Bible, you'll see pomegranates uh, throughout numerous places in the Old Testament, and they're, uh, they, you see them uh, ubiquitously throughout the Eastern religion and Eastern culture, that that Middle Eastern part of the world, because the climate is great for growing that kind of fruit there. But what does it represent in the Bible? Oftentimes, pomegranates most often represent a form of spirituality. So now let me explain this. The spirituality can either be genuine or it can be fake, just like with us today. You can be real or you can be religious so they were camped around this pomegranate tree now was Saul and his men being camped around the, this pomegranate tree were they being real or were they being religious well that next clue remember the son uh, Abijah son of so-and-so son of so-and-so if you look back in first Samuel I think maybe it's around chapter 2 you'll read about Eli and his wicked sons they were priests and they were terrible priests. They were like, they were skimming financially from the, the offerings that were coming in. They were bullying and intimidating people that were trying to come to the these guys were rotten to the core. And so who is there representing the church, so to speak, with Saul? It was one of the great grandsons of, of Eli who was rotten to the core. So there was a show of authenticity but really they were just being religious. They weren't really seeking after what God was doing. So many people, when they bump up against something that would hinder them, their tendency is to camp out. Here's the other thing that they did. It says that they were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree. So think about this. Let's say that, um, let's say that we're in the town uh, of Gibeah, right where you are, okay? And the Philistines are at the bottom of the staircase, like right over here. You know, you know these, this big staircase right over here? So this is the picture that Saul has done. 600 of his men, they're like, oh, those Philistines, they don't deserve to live. And the people of Gibe- Gibeah said, yeah, okay, you're getting it, you're getting it. Saul's like, we're going to take 600 men and we're going to kill them all. Yeah. Yeah. We won't leave a single soul survivor. All right, off we go. Cheer us on. Come on, guys. And then 600 of Saul's men are like, off we go. And they're like, you know, marching and stomping. And they're like going off and they're smashing their swords and their shields. Like, we're manly men. We're manly men. We're manly, manly, manly men. Off to kill the Philistines. Manly. Can they see us? I think we're just far enough out of town that we've gone... To go do battle with the Philistines, but really what we've done is just kind of yeah. town. There's an appearance of authenticity, but they didn't go to engage the Philistines in battle. They had the appearance, but when they bumped up against something that would hinder them, what did they do? They just camped out. It was Jonathan and his armor bearers that said, No, 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 no. I'm not content to just camp out. Let's cross over and actually engage the opposition that is trying to fight us. Is that good for anybody? Number two, listen to this. During seasons of opposition, most people will hide, but a few will say, Let's ride. Jonathan was one of, was the only, thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> it's good support. Keep them coming. Jonathan was the only one out of those 600 people who was not content just to, to, to camp out. But that said, there's, there's something that is preventing us from experiencing freedom. There's something that is, is oppressing us. Because if you know this about the Philistines, the Philistines, they moved into the area, they conquered the Israelites, and they said, I mean, we'll let you live here. But in a sense, it was they implemented a national gun control. They took all of the Israelites' weapons, so there was not a single sword to be found, although Jonathan had one hidden, true patriot.
1: <laughs>
0: and the Philistines said, we we're gonna remove all of the blacksmiths from the country. So you can't have any, you can't get your sword sharpened, as a tongue twister, but if you need your farm implements sharpened, you come to us and we will sharpen your farm implements for them. So there was this oppression over the land and Jonathan was like, I'm not having it. When other people, as they face opposition, during seasons of opposition, most people will hide, but a few will say, let's ride.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. That's
0: good. Hux, man. All right. You're doing really good. So then Jonathan and his armor bearer go to face this opposition that is on the hillside apart, overlooking. So imagine this way. Let's try to get our geography straight. So imagine, uh, imagine we live in Jackson uh, right here in the town. Philistines had outposts. They had one on top of Snow King. They had one on top of High School Butte. They had one on top of Blacktail Butte. They had one on top of Crystal Butte here. They had uh, one over there uh, on Wilson. And so all of the high places were occupied by Philistines. They were like, oh, Israelites, you go ahead and do your thing. But they were always under the scrutiny, always under the eye, always under the control of the Philistines. And the Philistines should not have been in the land, the promised land in the first place. They needed to be kicked out and moved on, but it was the failure of Joshua and some of the, uh, the tribes of Israel that didn't deal with the Philistines when they moved into the promised land. And now here we are a few generations later and they're still dealing with this hindrance. But Jonathan had a different spirit. Jonathan and his armor bearer said, let's go get these guys. Now, in our situation here at Tribe, we faced, a, we faced a lot of opposition. We faced a lot of things that have, that have hindered us. I mean, here we are meeting outside. I'm just glad that the weather is great. We'll see how uh, this weather tries to hinder us in the few weeks to come. Good weather, we'll see how good our prayer team is. Right, Kim? <laughs> no pressure. So in this story, whenever you read a Bible story, what you always want to do is read the Bible story, identify the main players in the story, and then you overlay your circumstances in your situation and look for the parallels. As you do that, the story will unlock for you, and God will begin to speak to you. So, in this story, who's Jonathan? Who's the armor bearer? And who are the Philistines? And and mate, you might think, you might think, well, Brian, as the as one of the leaders of tribe, you're kind of like Jonathan, and we're like the armor bearer, like, come on, let's go. And you might think that, and as I was first studying and preparing, I was like, okay, is that the angle you want me to take? And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, dude, don't think too highly of yourself. So I'm not Jonathan. You're not the armor bearer. We are the armor bearer. We are the armor bearers. We are the no-named unsung helper of Jonathan. Well, who's Jonathan? Jesus as the Bible says, the head of the church, senior pastor Jesus is Jonathan in this story, and all of us collectively, all of us together are his armor bearer. So here's what here's what Jonathan, Jesus has said to us recently he came to me he came to our leadership team and said hey how about if we do something different for the summer of 2020 this is all the way back in december january of 2020 and we're like okay jonathan what do you want to do and he's like you know let's just do, do something different what if we decentralized the corporate gatherings and moved church into the homes of people and we really focused on discipleship what if we did that and i was like well what if or what if we just all stayed together but he knew what was going to go down and we went to 12 weeks of discipleship church and it's just been wonderful and amazing then he says to us in the midst of a pandemic where there's so much uncertainty and and, and stri- purse strings are tight and finances are tight and there's so much financial uncertainty, Jonathan, Jesus says, Hey, what if we bought a three quarters of a million dollar property and, and, and used it as a, a, a base of operation, like a ministry headquarters for making my name famous here in Jackson Hole? And I was like, Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Great idea. <laughs> great idea. I love. I love what what Jonathan and his, his armor bearer has to say. Look at that. Where, do, where does he say that? He says, uh, "Let's go over there, have this look at the outpost, and then, verse seven. Look what he says in chapter fourteen, verse seven. This is the armor bearer. Do what you think is best." The armor bearer replied, "I'm completely." I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. So the armor bearer put his yes on the table with whatever he decided. The armor bearer put his yes on the table before Jonathan had even really made up his mind of exactly what he was going to do. He said, Jonathan said, hey, I'm thinking about it. And the armor bearer goes, yep, let's do it. I'm with you. How many of us could say that in our hearts about the leadership of Jesus? If he comes to us and says, hey, Chris, I'm thinking, are you quick to say, okay, I'm in? Or you're like, no, okay, wait, now explain that. Run that by me one more time. And how are you going to, and how will we, and what if, and what if, and how, and what? How quick are you to put your yes on the table? Here's one thing that I love about my tribe family is that as a tribe family, we're so quick to be like, hey, I feel like the Lord is, yes, we're in, let's, let's do it. So you can write this down in your notes. The best thing that we can ever say is, do whatever you think is best, King Jesus. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. Because if it's his plan, then he's the one that has to be responsible for working out all the logistics, you ever thought about that? How many of you really are really? I won't say enjoy it, cause, but some of you actually probably do enjoy it. But how many of you are really good at worrying? Okay, yeah, <laughs> the rest of you are liars.
1: <laughs>
0: Why do we worry? Because we have an we have an opportunity that gets placed before us that that is from the Lord. And our first response is, yeah, but. But what about this? And what about that? And how will you this? And how will you that? And what if this? And what? But the best thing that we can say if we're going to be a good armor bearer for Jonathan, Jesus, is do whatever you think is best, King Jesus. I'm with you completely whatever you decide. So uh, Amanda's going to touch on this as we get into announcements. But we're working right now on where we're going to get to meet Corporately, weekly, as the weather gets colder and the days get shorter, because we can't do this forever. I mean, I could, but uh, I know that the, not all of you could or would even really enjoy it, <laughs> especially when I'm preaching really great and I go an extra 45 minutes. <laughs> Shuler's like, No, 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are we gonna where are we gonna meet soon we're working we're working on that we're gonna have a plan for you we're developing that plan right now but as as our original plan which was to meet at uh, Jacksonville classical Academy totally understandable as they're trying to kick off their school year and trying to navigate this whole new world with the virus they said hey let's put a pause on you guys coming in we'd love to have you can't wait to have you but it's just not gonna be right now and we're like Yeah, but it's going to get cold soon. (laughs) But I know that daring Jesus, Jonathan, has a plan. And so we'll just say right now, as a tribe family, do whatever the Lord has put on your heart to do. We're with you completely. Number three, write this down. Your fight will put the enemy to flight. Verse 13 through 15. So they go for it. They climbed up using both hands and feet, and that means to tell us that the terrain is steep. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, stiff class three. Maybe we're getting to some class four. Maybe they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. I love how that armor bearer is like has has got his back. So, Jonathan is swinging away up front and any sneaky Philistines that try to come around the side the armor bearer is like ah ah cut them down they killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre verse 15 suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army did panic break out in the Philistine army when they saw Saul and his 600 men camped by the pomegranate tree you can answer no, no when did panic enter into the heart of the enemy when two people one with a daring plan and another one that said I'm with you completely do whatever the Lord put on your heart to do as they as they go up it says verse 15 suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army both in the camp and in the field including even the outpost and raiding parties and just then Just as like, just like to really, oh, because God's got such good style. He's got such good style right in the fever pitch of battle. Right as the Philistines were like, should we run? Should we run? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Boom, an earthquake happens. And they're like, that's it. We're out of (laughs) here. And just then an earthquake struck and everybody was terrified. Being a disciple of Jesus means that we follow him no matter where he goes. And sometimes, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, sometimes he will lead you into a situation of confrontation with forces that are opposed to the plan and purposes of God. Now think about this with me. When you are following the leadership of Jesus, it's not all unicorns and puppies and rainbows. But I thought God's plan was the best for my life. And and yes, it is. But his goal for your life is to develop you in maturity in your character so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything, not make life easy for you. Following the leadership of Jesus will mean and does mean that he will lead you to difficult places, especially, guys, oh, listen to me, beloved, listen to me, especially in the days to come. God will ask things of you that are going to shake you to the core that will cause you to question if that's really even him. And that is not, that time will not be the time to develop that sense of obedience and saying we're with you completely. It'll be too late. Do it now. Do it now. Because in the days to come, he will ask you to do things. He will ask you to take a stand He will ask you to turn away from. He will ask you to to, to do things that are going to be extremely unpopular, the way that this current culture and climate is going. And if you try to get that, learn that lesson in that moment, the chances are you won't won't learn it. But if you learn it now, it's going to serve you well in the future. Can I say that? Is that all right to say that to you guys? Sometimes he will lead us into confrontation with forces opposed to the plan and purposes of God. Well, why would he he do that? He leads us into those places to develop our faith, to develop our character, to help us to build trust in him, and to give us a taste of victory so that we'll hunger for more. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Remember what David said when he came up against Goliath? I fought the lion. I fought the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine fool? Mm -hmm. Steps and stages. I love Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. God is a man of war. The Lord is his name. That is just so (laughs) tough. I'm not really into... Yes, that was perfect timing. Listen to... This is the last one. And you know that I'm winding down because this is going to come up in strum. Oh, did you want to take this last note? I'll tell you later. Yeah. Okay, okay, here's the fourth. Everybody say, I'm ready for the fourth. I'm ready. All right. Here's the, here's the last thing. Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. Look at verse 21 from chapter 14. Even the Hebrews, who had previously gone over to the Philistine army. Oh, my gosh, that's a whole message in itself. What? What are you doing? Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted. You just got that whole sermon I didn't preach. You're like, Wow Shuler, I need you you and Hucks on the front row. You're really carrying everybody tonight. I love it. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul and Jonathan and the rest of the Israelites. Verse 22. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined in the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. Courage is contagious. You might not think it's a big deal for you to be at this service out in the open air. But I gotta tell you, it takes courage just for you to be here. And in the coming days, y'all, how much courage will it be? How much courage will it require to boldly proclaim, proclaim the name of Jesus? But you're doing it here, you're doing it now. There's something about a courageous act that inspires people around you. And courage is contagious. When we step out in obedience to the leadership of Jesus, there is nothing that can hinder the Lord. What awaits the future of the Big Sea Church in North America? I don't know how close you followed followed stories, but there are pastors that have lost their church because of several Facebook or Instagram likes. Nothing that they've even posted, but things that they've liked. And they've they've lost their their rental agreement at the facility that they've had. There have been churches that have been ordered to, to shut down and close down and we haven't even begun to see the tip of the iceberg and i don't want to be an extremist i don't want to be an alarmist but i don't know about you but i've read this the days that get darker before they get brighter now is the time to learn how to follow the leadership of jesus because nothing can hinder the lord what are you facing right now in your life maybe at school I should say, school. (laughs) So sorry. We'll get through this, y'all. Nothing can hinder the Lord. Maybe you're facing something that's trying to hinder you in, in your job, in your personal life. Nothing, nothing can hinder the Lord. So let's just do this. Let's just take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit, if he hasn't pointed out already an area in your life or anything in your life that you feel like is trying to come against you, is trying to hinder you, tonight is the invitation to follow the leadership of Jesus, who in the story is Jonathan. Jonathan says, Who are these pagan Philistines is the word that he uses who are these pagan Philistines let's just go over there see if God won't do something amazing nothing can hinder the Lord he doesn't need a massive amount of people he can win the victory whether it's with a lot of people or a few people whether it's with somebody that you think is the obvious choice for leadership or this this generation this generation that we will all be following their command because they are the generation that's going to grow up with a deep understanding of who he is and have courage built deep inside their life and hearts so that as the battle begins to rage, rage, we're going to be looking to their examples of faith right? so let's take just a moment and if there's an area of of opposition or something that would be hindering you, let's just invite the Lord to speak to our hearts about that situation. So Holy Spirit, we love you. We invite you to minister among us and in our hearts. Thank you so much. That according to your word, in the book of Exodus, you talk about that the Lord is a man of war. He's a warrior. Yeah. And the Lord is his name. Oh, that's good. The Lord is a man of war. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts for a moment. Ask you to be uh, courageous for just a moment, and maybe it's just one person, maybe there's more than one person here this evening. But as, as I said, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to, to whisper to our hearts about maybe there's an area of our life where it feels like we're experiencing some type of hindrance. And and the Holy Spirit like showed you something, or like it would just immediately came like to the forefront. I'm not gonna ask you what it is, cause it's not any of my business to know. But what is my business to tell you is that there is nothing that can hinder the Lord. And so, if you feel like, man, I'm just I'm being hindered. This opposite something is after me. Maybe you know exactly what it is, maybe it's nebulous and you don't know. But I want to pray for you this evening before we move on to the next, the last few parts of service. But if that's you, like, man, I just feel like this thing's trying to hinder me. Would you raise your hand and I wanna pray for you? Nobody needs to know what it is. And and hold it up there for a second. Yeah, man. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's good. Julia, put your hand up. Yeah. You were like, I'll put my hand up if you do. Okay. All right. Good. (laughs) Read your mail, girlfriend. (laughs) Anybody else? I want to pray for you. That's good. All right. You can either put your hand down or just put that other hand up as an act of surrender. And those of you who don't have your hands raised, would you just agree with me that God would do something amazing in their life, that they would encounter the realization and the truth that there's nothing that can hinder the Lord. So Father, for my tribe fam that has their hands raised, Lord, you know exactly what that is that is hindering them. God, would you send your son Jesus like Jonathan, and say, hey, come on. Let's not hide, let's ride. Let's not camp out, let's cross over. And Father, would you release a measure of your encouragement to them? Release a revelation that there is nothing that can hinder the Lord. And when we put our yes on the table, victory is always assured. I love how it ends where it says, and that day it wasn't Jonathan, it wasn't the armor bearer but it says, and that day God brought about a great victory. Would you release a great victory in the lives and in the situations of the people that had their hands raised? Now you take just a minute, if you had your hand raised, and I want you to pray just loud enough for your own ears to hear you. And you can tell him thank you. You can say, Lord, I just need your help. Whatever, whatever that thing is, you take just a moment and you make it personal, just loud enough for you to hear your own voice. Thank you, Jesus. Strong Son of God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Two last things. Okay, three things. Offering, announcements, pray them out. Okay. Offering. I came across, we're going to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord real quick. I came across this great verse as I was reading through Old Testament stuff. And there was this guy, King Hezekiah and he was bringing about a lot of these religious reforms and he's and, and God told Hezekiah tell the people to bring their offerings to the temple and look what, look what happens it's so cool in 2nd Chronicles chapter 31 uh, it says in verse 5 when the people of Israel heard these requirements they responded generously By bringing the first share of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields, they brought a large quantity, a tithe of all that they produced. I got to keep reading. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel, the people of Judah themselves, so outsiders, insiders, people who were visiting, people who were in, brought in the tithes of their cattle and the sheep and their goats and the tithes of the things that, that, that had been dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in late spring, and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people, Israel. And then Hezekiah says this, Where did all of this come from? Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites, and Azariah the high priest From the family of Zadok replied since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare the Lord has blessed his people and all of this is the leftover isn't it interesting that as the people brought in their tithe what was the result the result was twofold number one that the people were blessed and The storehouse, the temple, the church had all of the resources that it needed to do what it was called to do. So as you give tonight, and you can give either by by check or cash, and um, Amanda, when she steps up to give announcements, she will have thought of where people can give their check or cash. (laughs) But for the rest of us, if you pull out your smartphone, and you open up a new text and in the and then in the in the who it's to field you type 84321 and then in the message field you just type unnumbered 100, 200, 5 whatever it is if you press send if it's the first time you've given you'll be given a link. You can follow that, you can enter in your bank card information. It's a great way to be generous. If you've already set that up, and I have it set up as a contact in my phone, I just type in like a contact like I'm going to send a text and I just type in tithe and that pulls up that text thread I type in the amount I press send and that's a great way to be generous and you guys have been so generous especially through as we've talked about tithing and discipleship church i love to see how you've been generous And I can't wait to see how the Lord is going to bless you as a result of your generosity. Let me pray over our tithes and offerings. Amanda will share a couple of announcements with us, and then we will get out of here. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you have designed this system to work so that you give to us. You ask us freely to give back to you. When we freely give back to you, it opens up, it releases your hand to operate in behalf of our life. And all of the resources come into your church to accomplish your will. So, Father, we pray over these tithes and offerings. We ask that you would receive them, that you would be blessed by them, and that you would use these finances to make your name famous here at Tribe in Jackson Hole to this region and all the way to the uttermost bounds of the earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said